you know, uh, a couple weeks ago, I felt like the Lord started to uh, deal with me about, um, I know that there are some of you that you have been a part of Winter's Church for, um, you know, some of us have been here longer than others. Some of us are long in the tooth and others were wet behind the ears. But anyway, um, doesn't matter how long you've been a part of this church. One of the things that the Lord has uh, definitely dealt with me about, and he didn't deal with me about this right away. Um, in fact, uh, you know, when I first started in the ministry, uh, I was under the impression that, um, you know, I got born again in the Mennonite church. I got born again in a spirit-filled Mennonite church. So I got saved and baptized in the Holy Ghost in a Mennonite church, a Spanish Mennonite church. And y'all know about the Mennonites, right? You know that the, you know, some people are like, did they come from the Amish? Actually, the Amish came from the Mennonites, uh, which is strange enough. And they both came out of the Quakers. So Mennonites started as Quakers. And um, the reason why they left the Quakers is because a fellow by the name of Menon didn't believe in the baptism of babies. They were baptizing babies and he didn't believe in that, which, you know, we don't believe that either. Uh, we think you have to be uh, at least at an age where you understand what you're doing. And that was what Menon thought. He thought, you know, these Quakers are baptizing these babies, sprinkling them, you know. And uh, so they split off of the Quakers and they began to call the Mennonites the anti-Baptists because they were against baptizing babies. And so they called them the anti-Baptists. They called them Mennonites because the fellow who led the revolt was a fellow by the name of Menon. And anyhow, so when they, when they departed from the Quakers, the Mennonites got a little more liberal uh, than what some of the people that were in that group uh, wanted to be, uh, you know, because the Quakers were rather conservative and didn't use electricity and didn't use modern day things. They felt like it was a worldly, uh, they made homemade clothes. And so out of this group of Mennonites, um, they still didn't believe in baptizing babies, but they... Uh, <laughs> but they thought you shouldn't have electricity and you shouldn't have a car. And so they, uh, uh, the Amish broke away from the Mennonites and became the Amish, which is, uh, I don't know why I told you that. But anyway, um, <clears throat> somebody, you know, someone was asking, maybe it was Sheree. I was telling no, maybe it was, I don't know who it was. Anyhow, maybe it was Nakia. I think it was Nakia. <laughs> I told her, I'm like, don't ask me how I know this, but I, I do. But, you know, I got born again in that Mennonite church and, and uh, filled with the Spirit in that Mennonite church. Not typically the place where people get baptized in the Holy Ghost. And um, what they taught me was that um, Mennonites believe uh, in um, taking over communities, and but they don't believe um, the doctrine uh, that I believe, which is that God wants to bless and prosper His people. In every area of life. And so when the Bible says the blessing of the Lord maketh rich. How many of you know in the book of Proverbs it says the blessing of the Lord maketh rich and he has no sorrow with it. How many of you know that the rich that, that the Bible's talking about is not just financial. But it doesn't exclude financial. And so uh, God wants to make us rich in every way. <laughs> are y'all hearing me god wants god wants to make you rich in every way how many of you believe that oh, 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 oh. <laughs> uh, 
Amen. I was, uh, <clears throat> in fact, I know some people would take issue with that. That ought to be my next thing that I, um, maybe that ought to be my next Facebook thing that I put up and let people put their foot in their mouths over. <clears throat> so, so, uh, In in First Corinthians chapter one verse five, it says it says just that it says, for uh, and I'm, I don't want to read New International. Let me English Standard says that in every way you were enriched in Him, Amen. In all ways you were enriched in Him. Of course, it talks about in speech, in knowledge, and several other ways. But so when the Bible talks about the blessing of the Lord maketh rich. Uh, how many of you know what the definition of the word blessing is? The word blessing means empowered to prosper. Empowered to prosper. Amen. And so when the Bible talks about us being blessed, what it's saying is that we've been empowered to prosper. You know, that goes along with Deuteronomy 8.18. For thou shalt remember the Lord thy God, for it is he that giveth thee power to get wealth. Amen. In other words, he has empowered us to prosper or he has blessed us. Amen. And so when we think about these things, now religion uh, and tradition won't allow your mind to think that way. So you have to purposefully, and, and I'm, I'm just telling you this straight up, you have to purposefully and intentionally start changing your mind uh, about the way you think about the word of God and how in, how uh, far-reaching and encompassing the Word of God is relative to your to your life. So when we talk about the blessing of the Lord, most of the time people talk about the blessing of the Lord, and, and different people have different ideas what the blessing of the Lord is. But when you're talking about the blessing of the Lord, I want you to be able to facilitate the the height, the depth, the breadth, the width. The, the, the all in, you know, I want you to be able to see all that that blessing encompasses. What you will find out is, is that it will challenge your religion. When you begin to believe in the, in the blessing of the Lord in the way that the word of God really teaches, it'll mess with you because you, you'll find something out that God doesn't bless you because of your, based on your performance. Amen. God doesn't bless you based on whether you did right or you did wrong, whether you did good or you did bad. Amen. God's decided that he's, that he's blessed you and that his blessings upon you because of what Jesus did 2,000 years ago. In fact, the Bible says that the only reason that we have been found faithful is because he was faithful. And the only reason we have favor is because Jesus was favored. Amen. Thank God. Now, I know some of you say, well, you know, that, that, don't, that don't even sound fair. No, it's not. Thank God. You know, the Bible says the wages of sin is death. And I don't know about you, but I'm glad I'm not getting that paycheck. Amen. Thank God. Thank God. Uh, thank God Jesus took it so I didn't have to take it. He bore it so I wouldn't have to bear it. So anyhow, uh, uh, you know, the Mennonites didn't teach me about uh, prosperity or supernatural increase or God's blessing in the area of finance because they didn't really believe that. It, they're more traditional, more religious in their thinking. And, um, and religion, 
Like Jesus said, the thief cometh not before to steal, kill, and destroy. John 10, 10, I am come that you might have life and that you might have it more abundantly. So let me give you some scriptures. Write these down. Deuteronomy 8, 1. Deuteronomy 8, 1. We'll start there. And uh, we'll just read a few of these verses of scripture. Um, we, you want to write, write something down. Before you write these scriptures down, write this down. Write... Um, Glory to God. Write down, uh, how, do I, how do I want you to write this? Qualifying for supernatural increase. Qualifying for supernatural increase. Glory. All right, qualifying for supernatural increase. Uh, one of the things that you've got to uh, do if you're going to qualify for supernatural increase, the f- one and I would say that this this ranks up there as some of the first things that have to happen. The f- um, you have to become fully persuaded that it's God's plan for you to prosper. You can't allow anything to persuade you otherwise. Uh, if if anything else can persuade you otherwise, then you will get off track and you'll get off cor- off the course that will lead you to God's blessing uh, in the area of finance. So, again, get it, get it out of your mind that, we're, that uh, it's in our heads or in our thinking that that's uh, the only way God wants to bless us is financially. No, God, He wants to enrich in us in every way. He wants to make us rich in every way. But you got to become fully persuaded that it's God's plan for you to prosper. Well, um, in order to become fully persuaded, you got to know what the Word of God says. So, Deuteronomy 8, 1, what does it say? Can, can someone read that? Oh, I thought it was up there. All right, there it is. Someone read that out loud for us. Amen. It's a good word. So everything I command you today, observe to do it. If you will, then here's what the Bible says will happen. In other words, if you'll do the Word of God. Say this with me. Say, if you'll do the Word of God. If you'll do all that He commands you to do. Today. Here's here's the blessing. You will live and, amen, you won't die. You'll live. Glory to God. Amen. Yeah, tell Ted he's going to live. Amen. All right. <laughs> he was telling sure he's so crazy. He thought he would. Anyway, <laughs> that you may live and multiply. Say multiply. Now, notice it's not a God is a multiplying God. He's not an adding God or a subtracting God or a dividing God. He is a multiplying God. Amen. So you'll live, multiply, and go in and possess, amen, and possess the land which the Lord swear unto your father. Now, I know some of you saying, well, the Lord didn't swear nothing to my daddy. Yeah, he did, amen. Yeah, he did. Maybe not your natural daddy, but there are things that God has, amen, that God has promised. Now, let's, let's, let's look at what that is. So, um, amen, hallelujah. Glory to God. Am I the only one that's happy today? Boy, I'm feeling, 
I'm feeling real good today. Boy, y'all must have had prayer up in here on Monday. Woo! <laughs> Glory to God. Hallelujah. Uh, hallelujah. So, uh, the book of uh, Galatians, book of Galatians, chapter 3. Galatians chapter 3, and um, we'll, we'll look at verse, uh, hallelujah. Um, let's, 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 let's read, man, it's all so stinking good, but I don't, we can't read all of it, can we? Oh. Man. All right. Oh. No, I can't because then we'll be there forever. Let's, let's just read from first. Y'all over again. Let's read from verse 13. It says this. Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law, being made a curse for us. For it is written, Cursed is everyone that hangeth on a tree. That the blessing of Abraham might come on the Gentiles through Jesus Christ, that we might receive the promise of the Spirit through faith. Amen. So, uh, some of you say, well, what does the Lord swore to uh, my fathers? Well, your father in the faith is Abraham. Just like Israel can trace their heritage and their lineage back to Abraham, you can trace yours back to Abraham. Amen. Uh, in fact, that's what this scripture says. Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law. Christ redeemed us from the curse. Say, say I'm not under the curse. I'm not under curse. I've been redeemed from the curse. Now, do you know part of the curse is poverty? You know, over in Deuteronomy, lack is a curse. Poverty is a curse. Do you know God hates poverty? He don't hate the poor. He hates poverty. God hates lack. Do you know there's no, there's no lack whatsoever in Christ? I mean, there's no lack in him, period. God has uh, not just barely enough. He has more. Than, that's, why the, that's why one of his names is El Shaddai. El Shaddai means uh, the God of more than enough. Amen. The God of more. Now, I know some of you like... This is basic stuff. Well, no, we want to we want to make we want to make sure that all the pieces of the puzzle fit together in your now. I mean, you can take one scripture here and there. For example, there's some some people will say this. They'll say, "Well, you know, the Bible says love money is the root of all evil." Amen. That's wonderful. We ought to believe that. You shouldn't love money. That doesn't mean you can't have money. You know, money in and of itself isn't evil. It's what's in the heart of an individual or in the mind of an individual that, that can be evil. But just money in and of itself is not evil. So if we'll fill ourselves up with the Word of God, amen, and we'll believe the Bible and we'll live for the Lord, then uh, we won't get off track when it comes uh, to money. Amen. Thank God. But uh, anyway, so thinking about Deuteronomy again, 
It's, and, and you stay there, Joe, on Galatians. Thinking about Deuteronomy, it says, all the commandments which I command you this day, uh, do it. So you see that in that scripture, it's one of the things it says it's important is you have to do the word of God. You have to know what the word of God says. You have to be, in other words, you got to start becoming fully persuaded of what it is that you believe. You know, many of the places I go, people, sometimes they believe in prosperity. It depends on, it just depends on who they're listening to that week. It just depends on who they turned on. I mean, if they turned on someone who wants to uh, uh, nitpick and, and uh, be, you know, or pick at and, and uh, be negative concerning uh, finances and prosperity and supernatural, if they want to go after Ken Copeland and them. And, you know, usually those folks that go after fellows like that, uh, they have just as much or, or some of them have, you know, they don't, they certainly don't live the lifestyle that they, uh, that they're, that they're touting. They're, they're preaching about Jesus being poor. Well, you know, you know good and well, they got a camera sitting in front of them. They, they can't be that poor. They've got an audience. You know good and well, they can't be that poor. Not as poor as what they're touting that Jesus was. And, and in their minds, that's the example, right? The example is Jesus. And here's the way they push Jesus. That Jesus was a homeless, poor Shopping cart pushing, living in a cardboard box on the street, will work for food, Jesus. That's how they want, that's how they want to make us believe that Jesus was. But I already, I already, I already told y'all that Jesus, you know, we, didn't, didn't we already talk about that part of it? Jesus wasn't, you know, Jesus wasn't poor. In fact, the word says he was rich. And he only became poor for your sake. Amen. Well, why did he do that? Well, to change who your daddy was, to change your lineage, to change your heritage, to change the, uh, the inheritance. Amen. Hallelujah. Glory to God. You know, in the natural, you might have a three-time loser for a daddy. But in the spirit, glory to God. Hallelujah. You have the father of faith. Amen. Abraham, who uh, beyond hope, believed in hope. Amen. Uh, and it was, it was granted unto him faith. Amen. For righteousness. Hallelujah. Glory to God. See, that's our, that's our heritage is uh, Abraham. But anyhow, uh, you know, some people, they want to say Jesus was poor. He was homeless. He was uh, shopping cart pushing, living the cardboard box. That's not true. reason why they want to say he was poor is because he was born in a manger. He was born in a manger because there's no room in the inn. And we already talked about it. Jesus, when he was a baby, after he was born, these wise men saw a star in the east, and they got gold, frankincense, myrrh, got it together, and went looking for him. Found him when he was a toddler with those gifts. Gave those gifts to him. Many Bible scholars believe, the same ones that preach poverty, believe that that offering that was brought by the wise men was enough to take care of Jesus and his entire family for the rest of his life. So the moment Jesus was born, God was bringing supernatural provision to Jesus. The moment Jesus took his first breath, supernatural increase. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Well, why is that? Well, he was blessed. What does blessed mean? Empowered to prosper. Amen. Jesus wasn't cursed. He was blessed. 
See, that's the other reason why Jesus couldn't have been poor. Because poverty is a curse. And Jesus couldn't live under the curse. Do you, know what, do you know what it takes to live under the curse? Glory to God. Do you know what it takes to live under the curse? Bible says that in order, in order for you to live under the curse, that you have to, well, sh should we read it? Should we read in case people have read that? Uh, um, Deuteronomy. Um, Maybe I'm, am I trying to move too, too, too quickly through this? Am I take, <clears throat> uh, Deuteronomy 28. <laughs> All right. <laughs> so Deuteronomy 8, 1 said what? All the commandments which I command you this day shall you observe to do. What will happen? You'll live, multiply, go and possess the land the Lord swear unto your father. Now, Deuteronomy 28, look what it says. And it shall come to pass, if thou shalt hearken diligently unto the voice of the Lord thy God, to observe and to do all his commandments, which I command thee this day, that the Lord thy... Are you seeing this? You seeing, you seeing something common here? It's not saying do what the world thinks you ought to do. It doesn't say do what your mama thinks you ought to do. Do what your daddy thinks you ought to do. Do what your nappy-headed granny thinks you ought to do. Now listen, if, we, we, don't, we, don't want to, we don't want to uh, uh, purposefully rebel and go against our parents. But you know what? If they're telling us something that contradicts what God says, how many of you know you got to go with what God says, not what your daddy says? How many of you know that if the government comes and tells you something opposite of what God said, we're not going to do what a whole bunch of yahoos did at COVID and go against Scripture to do what, the, to do what some little old man says who has, who has a bunch of money invested in vaccinations? <clears throat> now, I'm not, a, I'm not a conspiracy theorist. Nothing like that. I'm, I'm, I never have been. But that, 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 that smelled fishy to me. And... Besides all that, the word of God, the word of God said something different. Amen. So anyway, so we're going to, now that, see, that gets tough, doesn't it? When, when, when the government says, or when someone in authority, or someone with power, or someone that you believe has led you right for a long period of time, when all of a sudden they begin to tell you something that contradicts the word of God. Do you know when our government said we were unsafe, that contradicted the word of God? Because my Bible says, He that dwelleth in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the all. Come on now. Do we have to, do we have to go there and read that? You, you all know what it says. See, my Bible says God is my refuge. He's my strength. He's my fortress. He's my strong tower. He's my shield. He's my, he's my buckler. Amen. He's a very present help in times of trouble. Amen. He's a very present. Now listen, here's what they were saying. Y'all need to take care of yourselves. Well, you know what the Bible says? The Bible says I was supposed to cast all my care upon him because he cares for me. 
Come on, y'all. Am I preaching right now? See, so what, what, a lot of times what we don't realize is that the, the, the enemy will subtly try to get us off of what the Word of God says and use things that seem good and seem right in order to get it. Now, you know how I knew God's people weren't in the Word of God, weren't listening to the Word of God and, and hadn't made themselves uh, subject to and, and submitted to the Word of God when they were so easily moved off of what God said to do what man said. And I know some, some of you like, you know what, I, would, I was just uh, erring on the side of caution. No, what we did was we opened ourselves up to a wrong spirit. And listen, I'm not going to lie to you, church. Um, I, found myself, I found myself over there just like you did. Yeah, I know some of you want to be in denial. I ain't talking about a river in Egypt. Some of us want to be in denial. And make like, we never had no doubts. We never had no concerns. We never had no fear. We never wavered in our faith. I'm going to tell you right now. I, I, when, when all that first started out, I, I mean, at first I was like, mm, you know, just like anybody else. All these things go through your mind. But when, you, when the word of God is the foundation of your life, when your concern is to do what he commands you to do, to be obedient to what he said, you know, sometimes being obedient to what he said seems dangerous. In fact, you know, uh, and, and, Paul, and Paul said this, Paul said this to the, you know, to, to uh, uh, the church in his day, that uh, we're like sheep led to the slaughter. We're being killed all day long. In fact, it was Paul that said that we needed to die to our flesh and die to ours. In fact, he said this. He said, I die to myself daily. You know, if Paul had to die to himself every day, I reckon you might have to die to yourself every day. You know, it's much, it's much easier when the, when, when the majority, it's much easier to abandon the word of God and to not stand on that foundation of the word of God when the vast majority is going toward something that contradicts the word of God. And you know what? That's what we were, that's what we were faced with. But as God's people, we can't allow ourselves to be moved by the, the, the majority can't rule. What about when we're in times like, like we are right now? When um, we're, this, is the, this is the first time in the history of my life and your life, and really, I'm not sure this has ever happened, that Christianity is on the decline. When some Christian nations are turning into Muslim nations. You know, there are some places in Michigan, there are some cities in Michigan that are Muslim cities. In, in the state of Michigan. You, you, they, don't, they won't let you into those cities. If, you're, if they find out you're a Christian, they will run you out of there violently. You understand? And this isn't just in a few places. They're trying to, Toledo, Ohio is, is one of those places where the Muslim population is growing and Muslims are trying, don't, don't think that Muslims aren't trying to eradicate Christianity. They're trying to eradicate Christianity. Well, you know what? What if we come to one of those times where this nation becomes a more Muslim than, than Christian? 
What are we going to do? We going to go with the majority or are we going to hang out with the minority? Are we going to be the remnant? Are we going to be the rib? Are we going to be the residue? Are we going to be that faithful few? Are we going to be the three? Amen. You know, Jesus, had, at one time, Bible said Jesus had multitudes following him. So, some report as many as 75,000 people following after the ministry of Jesus. But when he, left, when he left planet Earth, history records that when he left after the resurrection and they began to wait in Jerusalem on the promise of the Holy Spirit, that they started out, and this is history says it, they started out 600. In fact, they had dwindled down to even less than that. Remember the multitude was following him? And he said, lesson, you eat my flesh and drink my blood. You cannot have any part of my, my ministry. Remember when he told us? About, and the Bible says that 70,000 people left in a day. And it was only the 12. It was only the 12. And he looked at the 12 and he said, you going to leave me too? And what did, glory to God, what did Peter say? What did Peter say? He said, Lord, where would we go? For you alone have the words of eternal life. Amen. Amen. See, church, the word of God has to become paramount in your life. The word of God has to become the most important thing in your life. I know some of you say, yeah, but I'm not sure I completely understand it. Well, you know what? Not, none of us completely understand it, but we know enough of it that it can keep us safe. Amen. That it can keep a smack dab in the middle of where we know that God wants us to be. You know, nowadays, that didn't used to be called radical living back in the day. When my grandparents were growing up, if you lived for Christ and you lived radically for Christ and you prayed and you studied the word of God, you went to church every time the doors were open. And, uh, and uh, you know, they would, uh, they were Puerto Ricans, so they'd go to church and stay there all night long. I mean, they would literally go have church, and they would stay up in there all night long. You say, uh, how do you know that? Because there was a time or two I got dragged. I, I thought it was going to be fun, but I got dragged up in there, and it wasn't any fun. When you're, listen, when you're seven years old, it's not any fun to sit in church all night, especially when there's uh, wooden, wooden benches. No children's ministry. No, nothing like that. No, no coloring books. You sat there, and you sat there quiet. Otherwise, Grandma whack you upside the head with her Bible. <laughs> but now i mean nowadays this is different when my grandparents were coming up but nowadays things have things have changed drastically i mean back then it wasn't considered to be radical to believe that you could pray and that god would hear and answer your prayer they would start off sessions of, of uh, you know, government officials would start off sessions where they were making laws and they would pray. And it wasn't just a formality. It wasn't just something that they did as a formality like it is now. Now they're just 
uh, now it's almost like they're just going through something that was a tradition. But there was a time when men prayed to, to get direction from God, when government officials prayed to get direction from God. You know what? The same thing that's happened in our government has happened in the church. Used to be God's people would pray because they believed God and they believed there was a God that answered prayer, that he would hear them and that he would do for them what they asked him to do. Now we just go through the formality. It's, it's almost like we're coming to a casino. We're, we're yanking on an arm hoping that we hit the jackpot. We sow our, we sow our tithe and be like, maybe this will be it. Maybe this will be the big one. Maybe this will be where I cash in. <laughs> I mean, we do. We, we treat it like a, a day at the dog track or the, or the horse track. We don't, many of us don't live by faith. We live by chance. We're coming to church and we have a chance to be blessed. I hope, I hope this is my turn. I hope it's my turn now. I hope it's my turn. But you know what? There are people that came ahead of us that believed what the word of God said. No matter what the circumstances look like, no matter what it looked like in the natural, they believed what God said. And you and I have to return. Now I'm going to tell you something. There's a reason why people departed from that. Because it's not easy to live that way. Because you have to do that intentionally. You can't, you can't live by faith accidentally. Are y'all hearing me today? Only thing you can do unintentionally is walk in the flesh. Because of the sinful nature of man, you will automatically walk in the flesh. You can accidentally get over in the flesh. But if you're... <laughs> But you're not going to accidentally get over in the spirit. You have to be intentional about getting over in the spirit. Amen. There are certain things that you have to do if you're going to get over in the spirit. If you're going to believe the word of God, you're not going to accidentally believe the word of God. I'm going to tell you right now, there's no worldly institution. There's no government institution. There's nothing in our nation any longer uh, that exists that will teach us the word of God and teach us how to live by faith in the Word of God. Right. If we're going to learn that, we're going to have to find some rare individual that will take a Wednesday night. Right. Come on, y'all. You know, we could really grow this church if I just wouldn't do this. We could. We'd have, we'd have a lot of people here if I just wouldn't talk about stuff like this. Man, we're on the Northwest Expressway. Are you kidding me? Free donuts. Man, we'll put a sign out there, free beer. There'd be people roll up in here for free. I'm going to tell you right now. There would be people roll up in here for free beer. We have us a happy hour here at Winter's Church. Heck, that we could, we could partner with the dispensary. <laughs> we'd grow this church. Listen, we'd grow this church if the worship team just learned Van Halen. I mean, if, if we were in here, if we were in here before we started worship, Panama! Panama!
There's, there's, lots of, there's lots of ways in the natural that you can do that. But you know what the Bible says? The Bible tells us, look what it says. Again, let's read it again, because some of you forgot where I'm at. I haven't, I'm not off course. And it shall come to pass that if thou shalt hearken diligently, say hearken diligently, that if thou shalt hearken diligently unto the voice of the Lord thy God to observe to do all his commandments which I command thee this day that the Lord thy God will set thee on high above all nations of the earth. Listen, if you want favor, hearken diligently unto the voice of God. You say, Pastor, I'm trying to hear, but I don't hear nothing. Then you need to keep on listening until you hear something. Amen. Amen. Don't listen and then, and, and then make a plan B. Just in case you don't hear nothing. Come on now. When, when, when it comes to God, there is no plan B. Y'all remember, y'all remember uh, the story of Elijah and Elisha? You remember that? Um, I'm, I'm going to tell it. I'm not going to read it to you. But the Bible says that when Elisha was called by the prophet Elijah to become a prophet in his stead. In other words... Uh, when Elisha was going to be his predecessor. And, and so um, the Bible says that the calling of Elisha was this way. Elijah went into the field of Elisha's father and he found Elisha plowing there with 12 yoke of oxen, All right? This is the condition that Elijah found Elisha in. Now, listen, Elijah knows that this man is going to take over for him when he's gone. That's what God has said. The anointing that is upon Elijah is going to rest upon Elisha in a double portion. All right? So here's the condition he finds Elisha in. He doesn't find Elisha desperate and wanting. He doesn't find Elisha in a place of need and lack and trouble. He goes and he finds Elisha in his father's field. Are y'all with me? Yeah. He, finds his, he finds Elisha in his father's field plowing with 12 yoke of oxen. Do you know what that tells me in the natural? That tells me that Elisha's family was loaded. And Elisha was working. You say, how do you know he was in his father's field? Well, because that's the... That's the um, um, that, that's, that's the, uh, uh, help me out. <laughs> that's the, that's the custom of, of, of this, uh, uh, of the, of the Jews that a son takes over the family business. Uh, he works for his father and when his father passes away, it's passed down to him. Now, his father has built this up. Probably his, his father's father, his grandfather probably built it up. And now he's plowing with 12 yoke of oxen. So Elisha, he's sitting, he's sitting large in his, in his father's field, taken care of every need met. His 401k is fat. His retirement is settled. As long as he stays in the good graces of daddy, everything's going to be good for him. You get it? But now here comes God. And look how God is. Now, listen, God's not trying to, how many of you know God's not trying to stir up strife? God's not trying to bring a division. 
God doesn't purposefully try to bring to be. But you know what the you know what the Bible says? What now we're talking about hearkening diligently unto the voice of the Lord your God. In other words, listening di listening diligently to the word. Well, what does the Bible say about the word? The Bible says that the word is like a two-edged sword. It cuts going in and it cuts coming out. And you know what? Here's what it says about it. And it divides soul and spirit joint and marrow in other words that god god didn't speak these things purposefully to divide but when god's word comes it will separate what is flesh and spirit come on y'all so, some of y'all know good and well that the words that come out your mouth and the words that you write down on paper and the words that you post on social media and the words that you sit around at coffee talking with people, you know good and well those words wouldn't come out of the mouth of God about you in a million years. God would never call you sick. God would never call you depressed. God would never call you afflicted. God would never call you less than. God would never call you broke. God would never call you poor. Are y'all hearing me today? God would never call you miserable. God would never see you the way you see yourself. It's a wrestling match, isn't it? I'm, I'm going to tell you, because some of you think, some of you think that the way to come out of this is, well, you know, if I was like Elisha and I was sitting pretty in that field, if I had all kind of money, if my 401k was fat and everything, that everything would be all right. I could believe the Lord then if, if I just had my bills, paid, if I just owned my house, if I just owned my car, if I just had a better job, if I just had a million. Listen, Elisha was in there with a million dollars. And when the word of God came, you know what it did? It cut. It cut and it revealed the difference between flesh and spirit, between God and man, between what God has and what man has. See, man, man could take care of Elisha and he could be set up and not have a financial problem in the world. Are y'all hearing this today? Boy, I am not trying to preach, but uh, it's, it's, it's working. Have y'all ever read the story? Go over there to say, uh, <laughs> go over there to 1 Kings. Uh, 1 Kings chapter 19. <clears throat> Is this helping anybody here? Yes. I, see, some of you are like, Pastor, when am I going to increase? And it shall come to pass that if thou shalt hearken diligently unto the voice of the Lord thy God to observe to do all his commandments which I command thee this day that the Lord thy God shall set thee on high above all the nations of the earth. Well, if I could just... Yeah, if you could just, it'd be over with. It'd be done. But you can't just. You know why? Because you're not God. And He is. And the Bible says it's not by might, and it's not by power, but it's by my Spirit, says the Lord. I'm preaching. Now, 
in, in, in another time, this wouldn't have been thought of as being radical. But nowadays you talk like this and people are like, oh yeah, the Lord's just going to do it, right? Um, well, yeah. We're, we're going we're gonna to work together and he's going to get it done. So are you there, First Kings yet, chapter 19? First Kings chapter, I think it's in 19. First Kings chapter 19. And let's go down to verse uh, 19. It said, so he, talking about Elijah, so he departed thence. He found Elisha. Uh, Shambach says this, the son of Shaphat. I think it's Shaphat or Shaphat, however you want to say it. You, you can say Shaphat if you want to, but anyhow. And he was plowing with, talking about Elisha, he was plowing with 12 yoke of oxen before him, and he with the 12th. And Elijah passed by him and cast his mantle on him. In other words, all of a sudden, Elisha got a revelation because of the anointing. Now, what is a mantle? So uh, I, I, should, I should explain this because I assume everybody knows this. So the mantle that it's talking about is actually a coat or a cloak that was worn by the, by the prophet. And usually is a daily worn thing. Uh, usually it was made out of camel's hair or something of that nature. But I will tell you this, it probably didn't smell good. I mean, it was used daily. It was used daily. So it wasn't, it wasn't something that was like super fancy. It was something that was, you know, commonly used. It was used every day. And so when the prophet took that mantle or took that cloak and he threw it on Elisha, Elisha knew exactly what. Do you know the Bible doesn't report that Elisha and Elijah knew each other before this day? In fact, when you look at the scripture, it kind of insinuates that this is the first time they've ever met. And so this isn't some old boy that's been visiting the house every week, you know, every, you know, this ain't, this ain't the pastor he grew up with. Oh yeah, Pastor Smith from the church I've went to since I was a kid. No, this is some prophet that just came off the mountain that took his everyday wearing mantle that probably... I don't know, you know, I don't know. I don't know if Elijah had B.O. or not. I, I don't know. All, all I know is a different, it was a different time. It was a different time. There was no right guard. You understand? No right guard. Anyway, no, no speed stick. No. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> so he took that mantle. Elijah knew what that meant, the, the, him taking off that mantle, putting it. He knew that it meant that whatever was on that prophet, God intended to put it on him. So now all of a sudden, in the midst of his comfort, in the midst of his inheritance, I mean, Elisha's sitting in the middle of his natural inheritance. And it's looking good. And God says this, I have something else for you. You know, you know what our first thought is? Well, I'll sacrifice. Oh, really? You're going to sacrifice your stuff for God's stuff? Is it really that big? I mean, who's sacrificing here? You're giving God your junk for his stuff? Amen. Boy, I'm preaching. 
is this getting on anyone like it's getting on me? And is this helping you out? All right. He cast his mantle upon him. So Elisha became aware of the fact that God had something higher for him. And he had to make a decision whether he is going to believe whatever the Lord was saying to him that day and observe to do it and live and multiply and go in and possess. Come on, we act like doing what God tells us to do that we're going we're to have to chalk up a loss. Isn't that how religion has taught us? That we're going to have to chalk up a loss if we're going to serve the Lord. Some of, you blame, some of you blame your sickness on the Lord. You know, there's some people do that. Some people blame their financial problems on the Lord. Some people blame the death of loved ones on the Lord. And really, what's at the heart of our trouble is that we don't do what that scripture in Deuteronomy says. And we, I'm just trying to talk to you all about the blessing and the curse. But anyway, hallelujah. Say this with me. Say, I want to walk in the blessing. So after Elijah puts his mantle on Elisha, there must have been a period of time that, that passed between the time that he became aware of what God was saying to him and he responded. Because the Bible says, in verse 20, it says, and he left the oxen and ran after Elijah. So enough time passed between the time he became aware that God was saying something to him and the time that he responded because he had to run after Elijah. And notice this, God didn't wait on him. God is a moving God. You know, th this whole thing about trying to get God move, to move, God's been moving all along. Even when you don't see it, he's working. Even when you don't feel it, he's working. You know the rest of it. He never stops. God has never stopped moving. And the Bible says in the beginning, the spirit of the Lord moved. The Bible never records he quit moving. He's still moving. We only become aware of when he's moving when we get connected with what he's saying. When we become aware of what he's saying at any given time. That, that's, why, that's why we got to hear the Lord every day. Every, you know, every day is today. You can't live off of yesterday's word. Amen. Unless he don't give you a new word. You know, some days he may just tell you the same thing. You say, Lord, what now? He'd be, he'd be like, same thing. I'm still telling you the same thing. So it took, Eli it took Elisha a little bit before he gathered himself. And it says, and he ran after uh, Eli Eli Elijah. And he said to him, look what he says. Let me, I pray thee, kiss my father and my mother, and then I will follow. You know what he was saying? He's saying, hey, look, I really want to do this. I really want to do the will of God. But let me make sure that I have something to fall back on. 
Let me make sure everything is cool with my mom and dad. That way, if it don't work out between you and I, I can come back here and still be all right. Anytime you have a plan B, you plan to fail. Anytime you have a plan B, you're planning on failing. You say, yeah, Pastor, but shouldn't we be prepared? Prepared for what? If we're going to prepare, we ought to prepare for what the Word of God says. That when we hear His Word, that when we watch after His Word, that when we do His Word, that He elevates us. That we walk in the greater measure of the blessing. Amen. Well, Pastor, I believed that before and it didn't work. Oh, no, it worked. Because he's already settled it in heaven. So, yeah, but you know, I, I didn't, it didn't work out the way I thought. Well, that's what you get for thinking. And sometimes it is. Sometimes that's what we get for thinking. Sometimes we, we're so short-sighted that we don't understand God's in a long game, not a short game. God's in the long run, not in the short He said, let me, I pray thee, kiss my father and my mother, and then I'll follow you. And he said unto him, look what he said, look what he says. Look what he says. He says to Elisha, he says, go back again for what have I done to you? You know how many people have been ruined by the word of God? You say, wait a minute, how can you be ruined by the word? I'll tell you how you be once you, once you get a revelation, once God gives you insight about what his plan, what his purpose, what his idea is, and you choose to walk away from it, that's what, that's what some of you are wrestling with right now. So, some of you are wrestling with that right now because you're listening to me, you're like, boy, pastor's being rough. I'm not being rough at all. I'm just, listen, I'm going to tell you right now, if you have hearkened unto the voice of God and done all these things, you know what you're doing right now? You're going, amen. I'm hanging. Now, those that haven't are like, oh me. Why pastor doing this to us? I ain't doing nothing to I'm telling. I'm just telling you what the Bible says. I'm trying to make us understand that there are reasons if we're going to qualify for supernatural we have to be fully persuaded and to be fully persuaded our minds have to be made up and our minds can't be made up on what we think our minds have to be made up on what he thinks and it's a wrestling match listen you're not, you're i'm not exempt from the wrestling match i have to wrestle every day my natural man and my flesh some days i'm more successful than other days Anybody hearing what I'm saying? That, and I'm, I'm going to tell you right now, there's not one person on this planet who is a Christian who serves the Lord. I don't care what kind of ministry they got. If they got a big ministry. If they got a small ministry. If they're, uh, uh, you know, uh, been in the, been in the uh, faith and been a Christian for years and years, or they've been a Christian for two or three days. It's a wrestling match every day. The choice is every day. Every day we have to decide to follow Jesus. I have, like the old song says, I have decided to follow Jesus. No turning back. Though none go, you know, at one time I think those old timers meant it. Though none go with me, still I will follow. 
But you know what we found out in 2020? That when none went with us, uh, we didn't go either. <laughs> something, something, something shifted. But you know what? God is shifting things back in his favor. Amen. The house of David is rising up and becoming stronger than the house of Saul. Amen. Just, just the fact that some of you are being stirred up by what I'm saying, that what I'm saying to you is encouraging you and pulling you up by your bootstraps and saying, you know what, you got this. Turn to someone and say, you got this. You know why you got this? Because God's got this. Amen. Do you know why you're going to make it? Because he's already made it. Amen. Do you know why there's going to be a way made for you? Because he's already made a way where there seems to be no way. You say, but Brother Ziggy, I messed it up. Amen. And he made provision for it. Glory to God. His word is still true. It's still the same. His promises are still yes and amen. Jesus is still faithful. And because he's still faithful, God's still going to get it to you. Amen. amen. Glory to God. Don't y'all understand that the devil, that's why the devil hates you so bad, is that God set you up for success and not for failure. Amen. God set you up to win and not to lose, to be the head and not to be the tail, to be above and not be beneath. Do you, do you understand that when we get our eyes off of the word of God, that's not what disqualifies us. It's what happens to our flesh when we get our eyes off the Word of God. What happens is our flesh begins to take dominance over our spirit. And once your flesh takes dominance over your spirit, your, your flesh will not let, listen, your flesh will not allow you to walk in the blessing. In fact, Paul, Paul said it. Paul said it to, he said it to the Galatians. In the book of Romans, the Bible tells us. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Glory. In the book of Romans chapter 8, it tells us. That they that are in the flesh can't please God. Or uh, Galatians chapter 5. If you're in the flesh, you can't please. What's well, one of them? If you're in the flesh, you can't please God. So it's impossible. When you get over there in the realm of the flesh, and that's, see, that's the thing. It's not that your sin or your shortcomings keep you from the blessing. What keeps you from the blessing is that you give place to your flesh and your flesh will not allow you to align with where God's blessing is. Are y'all seeing this? God's not up there saying, well, you didn't do what I said, so I can't. No, God's already settled it. He's going to bless you. But you know what happens is that we get over there in the flesh and then our flesh starts leading us away from the blessing. We begin to sabotage the things that God's trying to do. That's what Elisha was doing. Instead of, instead of realizing, 
You know, even in the Old Testament, if Elisha had just believed what God said, because Deuteronomy, he, he could have done it, hearkened unto the voice of the Lord, walked in the blessing. He'd have realized that if he'd just done what God said to do, he'd have way more than 12 yoke of oxen in the field. And thank God he came to that realization. He said, let me, I pray thee, kiss my father and mother. Elijah says, go back. What have I done to you? What have I done to you? you see, you don't want to be in that place where you know what the blessing of the Lord is like, what it's all about, where he's trying to lead you, and then walk away from it. It's, it's miserable. You, you're miserable. You're miserable. Man, it take you three or four songs just to get over the misery. Three or four worship songs, and they got to be the good ones. <laughs> can't just be any worship song. It's got to be the good worship song. Them ones that really get you in. <laughs> look at verse 21. Look what, he, look what Elisha did. Look what Elisha did. And he returned back from him, and he took a yoke of oxen, and he slew them, and boiled their flesh with the instruments of the oxen, and gave unto the people, and they did eat. Then he arose, and he went after Elijah, and ministered unto him. You know what Elisha did? He killed his plan B. You know what he did? He said, mm, man, I just about messed that up. Let me make sure I don't have anything to come back to. I'm going to kill a, an entire yoke of oxen. I'm going to take the yokes from off of their shoulders. I'm going to start a fire. I'm going to cook these. We're going to have, we're going to have oxtail stew. And it's not going to be a family event. We're just going to give it to anybody who... Listen, you know what Elisha did? He ensured that he would be written out of the will. You think his daddy was happy when he, when he rolled up at the house and, and they're having a party in the field and, and he's lost a whole entire yoke of oxen? Not only the oxen, but also the instruments that were on his shoulders? Now, I'm writing you off, boy. You don't have a place to come back to. He burned the ships. Amen. He burned the ships. And it says, and he rose and he went after Elijah. He ministered to him. Do you know when he, he, when he went after Elijah, he didn't immediately, you know, Elisha didn't immediately become a prophet. In fact, the Bible says that he lost his identity when he followed after Elijah. Instead of being Elisha, he became known as the man who washed the hands of Elijah. Man, Annie, she didn't even like being called Sister Ziggy. We'd go places, they'd say, hey, Sister Ziggy. And she'd, you know, she'd smile and be, man, we'd get back to the hotel. She'd be like, I have a name. <laughs> right, Mama? Right, Mama. Mama's like, I got a name and it ain't Sister Ziggy. These people don't know me. Why in the world am I doing? You know, you start getting all kind of crazy. 
But see, God don't want you identifying. Listen, I, I, know, I know some of you have been taught. Some of y'all have been taught that you are a, a black African queen. You, you're an African king. You, you're, a, you're an Indian princess. <laughs> you're an El Salvadori. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> you're the daughter of an El Salvadorian drug lord. No, 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 I'm just like, <laughs> yeah, thanks, Pastor. Thanks, man. <laughs> I'm messing with you, Anna. <laughs> but but some of us, that's that's where our identity is. It's in it's in us. But when you start identifying in him, oh you know, for a season you might you might be. I, I was I was talking I was talking to the uh I'm, I'm, I'm done with that. If you have a question, you can ask it. But um, I was talking to the uh, folks that wanted to be a part of Temple Ministry. And we had a bunch of folks that came after Sunday service that they said they would like to, they would like to join and be a part of Temple Ministry. You say, what's Temple Ministry? Well, it's, um, it's the cleaning of the church. It's the upkeep of the church. And and. Now, some people are like, oh, yeah, I ain't for that. That's cool. But it, it really is a ministry. It's a ministry under the Lord. And uh, um, when we were at the other building, when we were renting, we used to have to take our chairs down. And, and uh, every week we had to tear down, set up. And it was, it was, a, it was a major hassle. And then for a while, um, the church that we were renting from said, hey, if you'll, if you'll clean up the building, we will, you know, we will, I can't remember, maybe they took $700 off the rent in a month or something. And so they, they didn't, so they wouldn't have to pay somebody to come in and clean. So, you know what? I'm like, man, we'll do it. And we'll do it as unto the Lord. We don't, you don't even need to take $700 off the rent. We'll do it like we're doing it to Jesus because that's our heart. We want to, we want to serve the Lord in all that we do. And so, um, Temple Ministry, we've been doing that since the church start, first started because we, we believe in serving the Lord in all that we do. You know what? It sucks to clean the church. It don't suck to come and to serve the Lord by doing temple ministry. I know some of y'all have cleaned the church before. That sucks. But temple ministry, that's on a whole nother level because you ain't doing this for you ain't doing it. It benefits your pastor, but you're not doing it for pastor. It benefits your brothers and sisters, but that's not why you're doing it. You're not doing it so that on a pastor appreciation day, you get a little plaque. Listen, if all you get is a plaque, it ain't worth it. Are y'all hearing me? I, it, ain't, I, it ain't worth cleaning another kid's boogers off the wall to get a plaque. It ain't worth taking that diaper genie and cleaning it out. You clean that out. Some other kid's messy poo. It ain't worth it. Listen, I've been, I've been hit by the stench that come out of that thing. It is not worth it. Right. 
but to serve, but to serve the Lord. Now it's, this isn't, see, it's, it's, it's about knowing what the word of God says. When you've done it for the least of these, my brethren, you've done it unto me. So I was talking to them about, about serving and I'm not trying to recruit. That's not the, <laughs> some of you are like, he's, he's recruiting right now. That's what he's doing. Pastor's trying to recruit. No, we're not recruiting. But when people's hearts were diligent toward the Lord in, the serve, in serving in temple ministry, um, in that building over there, all the stuff we had to do, it was so much. But, you know, we'd get it done. Ms. Ronald, would I be exaggerating to say that, that no one stayed much longer than 20 minutes after service? Is that an exaggeration? It's about 20 minutes. Yeah, because everybody had 20 minutes with tops. 20 minutes, and that, that building is eight times bigger than this building. 20 minutes, it was done. Everything. In 20 minutes, everything. Was, toilets were cleaned. Floors were mopped. Uh, napkins were replenished. Toilet paper was replenished. Kids' church was clean. Toys were sanitized. Diaper genies were empty. The whole nine yards. 20 minutes. Don's like, whew, sounds good to me. <laughs> but sometimes we start to lose. It, it's, it's the same, it's same way we lose on supernatural link. Listen, when you start believing the word of God, you become a different person. You're changed into a different individual. You're not selfish no more. Heck, I thought kids made me unselfish. Ugh. I was so selfish before I had children. I wouldn't share my food with Annie. You understand? Annie would get close to my food. I'd be like, Arr. She would take her life into her hands. But I'll never, for listen, I'll never forget. First time I'm sitting there eating out. That little fuzzy-headed girl. <laughs> Reach across that table. <laughs> Grab the very, you know, anybody, I don't know if anybody else does this, but in my, uh, my tribe, we look at the plate, and we, in our minds, we pick out the best thing. And we're, we're eyeballing it, but we save it for last. The best fry. You know, we, we can look at a container of McDonald's fries, and we already got the one picked out. We saving for the end. Anybody? We look at the sandwich, and we start at the bad end and work our way to the good end. And then that last bite, we savor that last bite. Listen, we'll eat around an entire bowl of cereal to leave the best bite at the end. You know, that soggy square of life cereal you know we let it get nice and soaked and anybody know what i'm talking about see mikey my, my daughter i'll never forget that little hand that little fat hand i mean that hand had a, a hump all right <laughs> had a little roll right here you know that was that was that's how and that little hand came and what did she go for the one that was good 
Because she had the same eye I did. Man, I had to choose that day. I had to choose. I was like, anything for Salinas. <laughs> I have to keep it interesting. <laughs> <laughs> Don't tell me Shree's like, what is he talking about? No, you, no. Next ministry trip, I'm downloading it and you're watching it in the airplane. <laughs> hey, no, I'm not going to say that. Anyway, so she grabbed, I, I, I was like, okay, baby. It, it wasn't easy. I, I used to have my nightly bowl of cereal. That was my snack. Soon as Mikey got to where she was walking, I had that bowl of cereal. Man, I was, man, I was ready. It's all prepared. I, I'll go to dig in, and here she comes. She, she didn't even say nothing. She just climbed up in my lap, get in real close. I'm like, hey, you can sit here, baby. I go like this. Mm, take that first bite. I go for the second bite. She's like this. I wanted to be like, get your own cereal. No, man, I'll give her one bite. Take another bite. Then I take another bite. She's like, you skipped me. I was like, that's because this ain't your bowl. You know, in my mind. In my mind, I'm thinking, that's because this ain't yours. It's not Joe's. <laughs> Mine. I, you know, pretty soon, it was a nightly ritual. One for you, one for me. Two for me, one for you know. <laughs> if I could sneak a couple extra bites in, she always caught me. She never. But in the natural, we're, we're, we're selfish. But when you get over there and you start getting full of Jesus, you know, pretty soon you're not thinking, listen, pretty soon you're not thinking about you. You're not, you're not thinking, when people go come minister to me, when they were sick, I, I visited them. I took them food when they were sick. I'm just waiting on people to bring some food over to my house. That, that, listen, that ain't the spirit. That ain't the spirit. You, you, you can rest assured, rest assured, you are, you are in the flesh if that's your mindset. If you, go to, if you go to getting on your pity pot and licking your own wounds and thinking, well, you know, everybody else, everybody else, I was there. I, uh. But there's something about doing things as unto the Lord. You lose your identity. That's where the blessing is. When you're going to serve no matter what happens. When you're going to do what he says and you do it, it doesn't matter what the outcome is. It doesn't matter how long it takes. It doesn't matter come hell or high water. You're going to do the will of God. No matter what the devil says, no matter what the world says, you're going to do what God said. That's the place 
where all of a sudden he begins to elevate you. Now listen, he may elevate you by you losing your name. You know, when Pastor Reuben hosted our revival, they started calling him a Ziggonite. They're like, oh, now you're talking like Ziggy. No, no, he, and, he's, and he really ain't. But that's how the devil works. People, people tell me for years, you remind me of so-and-so. I remember when they used to say, you remind me of Benny Hinn. I don't know how that happened. I'm like seven feet taller than Benny Hinn. Uh, I got curly hair. <laughs> and I don't have that accent. But, oh, you remind me. Did you follow after Benny Hinn's ministry? I'm like, no. And I had an opportunity to be like, whatever, you know, Benny, Benny Hinn, Benny Schmin. You know, because some, pe some people, you know that, some people don't like being associated with somebody else. Messes with their identity. But you know what? I was in a Benny Hinn meeting and he threw, a, uh, he threw that anointing on me. So I was like, well, you know, I, <laughs> I'm not Benny Hinn, but I did stay at a Holiday Inn Express last night. <laughs> I was in one of his meetings and got a mantle thrown on me. On so maybe that's it. Then Rodney Howard Brown came out and said, oh, you remind me of Rodney Howard Brown. I'm like, run, run, run. No, I didn't, get, I didn't get down in the mouth. You know, I went to a Howard Brown meeting. I got zapped. I was like, well, maybe that's it. Ha, ha, ha. Bubble, bubble, bubble. <laughs> fill, fill, fill. <laughs> whatever it, you know, but whatever, what. Whatever we got to do along the journey to get to the place where we're walking in the blessing, when we're empowered to prosper. Amen. Amen. Now I didn't get to as far as I want to. Any questions? I guess not. I, was, I know I was a little preachy today. Um, you, need, you, need, you need any help with any of this? Surely some of y'all have struggled with some of this. Anything I say going to help you navigate these waters a little better? It's a challenge every day. It's a challenge. You have to choose every day. And the devil's going to give you an opportunity to back up. Opposition will come from the strangest places. Sometimes from people in this very church. Let me, let me finish telling you so, and then I'll quit. Oh, you have a question? Okay, then I'm going to have Annie ask a question. When they, they were sitting over Temple Ministry, I told them, I said, um, I said I was watching Ken Copeland on, on television, on a video, really, um, and Ken Copeland was at a believer's convention, a convention he has every year in Fort Worth. Thousands of people were there. And he said, yeah, he said, I just want to, he said, we have some, someone visiting here with us tonight, and he said, I just wanted to introduce them and have them share a little bit with you, but he said, this, this person here, they served, uh, they served us. We went to South Africa, and uh, we were at a church, and we asked the pastor if we could go on a, a hunt. So he had several men in his church that were going to act as guides and take us on a hunt. Well, the day we went on the hunt, he, Brother Copeland said, it rained. And so they got in the truck or in the Jeep with their guide, and they took off to go on this hunt. And as they got into the bush... They got stuck in the mud. 
Well, they all got out, you know, him, Jerry Seville, the guys that were with him, they got out of the, they were getting out of the Jeep. And the guy says, oh, no, don't get out. I, I would, I'll gladly dig us out. And I don't want you to get muddy. And so this guy gets out and he digs him out of the mud. And then after he digs him out of the mud, he said, this guy's covered from head to toe in mud. They drive, he said, they don't drive more than 100 yards. They're stuck again. And they all like, eh, well, let's get out. He's like, no, no, keep your seats, men of God. I'm going to, I want to serve you. And he got out, he dug him out again. They said the whole time, a song on his lips and a smile on his face, just praising God for uh, the opportunity to be able to serve. They said this happened over and over. They got, st they didn't, not, they didn't hunt. They just got stuck until finally they said, hey man, let's just turn around and go back. It's just too nasty. And so they turned around. They said when they left this guy, this guy was covered in mud. The Jeep was covered in mud in the, you know, in the, in the driver's area. And he said, and this guy just served us and served the Lord with gladness. And he said, that man is here tonight and I want to introduce him to you. He said, brother Rodney Howard Brown, will you come? Will you come and minister tonight? You know, we only see these people when we know their name. But at some point, you know who Rodney Howard Brown was? The guy, in Ken Copeland's mind, the guy that dug us out of the mud. Are y'all here? I've been the guy that carried Pastor's Bible. I was a guy that shined pastor's shoes because my pastor wouldn't clean his shoes. Disgusting. He had a brand new pair of shoes and they was all dusty and dirty. I said, Pastor, when are you going to clean them shoes? He's like, well, I don't have time. I was like, take them off. Let me take them home with me. Oh, you don't have to do that? I said, I know I don't have to. I get to. I said, I'm, I like shoes. So I'm like, it will give me great pleasure to clean these shoes for two reasons. One, because I love the Lord. Number two, I like clean shoes. Just does something for me. But then you got the opposite. I know a guy, this man named T.L. Lowry, preacher, ministered healing to the sake of the church of God, amazing minister of the gospel. Came to preach at a church. A friend of mine went and picked him up at the airport. When he dropped him, picked him up at the airport, dropped him, well, they'd send him to get him because he had the nicest car. So he picks him up, drives him to the hotel. When he gets to the hotel, the guy drops him off at the hotel. Before he leaves, T.L. Lowry says, hey, wait a minute, before you go, he's real gravelly voice. He's an old-time preacher, Pentecostal preacher. He's waiting before you go, let me get you something. He thought he was going to, you know, bless him with, he was trying to bless him, he just didn't know it. But he thought it was, you know, an offering, maybe something. T.L. Lowry tosses him his couple pair of his shoes and says, hey, can you clean these up for me and bring them to church tonight? I... This guy's a pastor. It's a minister that T.L. That Lowry gives these. You know what this pastor said to me? He said, can you believe that that man wanted me to clean his shoe? I said, what'd you do? He said, I took him to the shoe shop. I left him there for a couple hours and then went and picked him up. He said, do you know what that man had the nerve to do? I took him those shoes that night. You know what he said? Man, look at these things. They look disgusting. You need to do that again. 
I was like, I can't believe it. He goes, right? He's supposed to be a man of God. I said, he is a man of God. Yeah, but what kind of man of God? He says, you just said, you just said you couldn't believe it. I said, yeah, I can't believe how stupid you are. <laughs> if T.L. Lowry had handed me his shoes, are you kidding me? As soon as that man turned his back, I'd have been taking my shoes off and putting my feet in them shoes. <laughs> Praying in tongues. I'd be like, Boy, I'd have taken them home. I'd have, I'd have put a spit polish on them. Listen, I'd have, I'd have drew out any kind of anointing I could out of them shoes. You know what? I might have even gone and tried to buy him two brand new pair of the exact same shoes and kept the old ones. Be like, I did such a good job. They look like brand new. Here you go. And even a box. I went and found you a box. I said, bro, how dumb can you get and still breathe? You had an opportunity to be a blessing to the man of God. But some people are too proud. They're too full of themselves. Hmm. I had a friend. He worked for Rod Parsley, went to his house to pick him up. <laughs> his wife, Joan, he answers the door. He, Is pastor, pastor here? Oh, yeah, he's in the guest bedroom. He thought, uh oh, he must have had a fight. He thought Pastor Parsley and his wife had a fight. He goes, knocks on the door of the guest bedroom. Pastor, I'm here. I'm here. You, you ready? Brother Parsley said, come in. Just come in, Richard. Richard went in, and he said, Pastor Parsley was in there walking around. He had this blanket over his shoulders. He's like, you all right, Pastor? Are you, you feeling sick? Do I need to pray for you? He says, no. He said, Lester Summerall, the man of God, slept in this bed last week. He said, this is the first opportunity I had to get in here and try to get any anointing off of this blanket that I could before we... <laughs> He's in there praying in tongues, trying to draw off the anointing. You know, do you know Rod Parsley used to rub Lester Summerall's feet after he'd preach in the hotel room? Do you know how nasty that is? <laughs> Pastor Harris, you know Pastor Harris, y'all know Lester, some of you know who Lester Summerall is. Pastor Harris went and picked up Lester Summerall at his hotel one time to take him to the church that he was he was preaching at Pastor Harris's church. Pastor Harris said he opened up the door in his boxer shorts. <laughs> he was in his underwear. He says, come on in, son. We're almost ready. Then, then Mama Summerall walks by. She's in her underwear. He's like, no, I think I'll just wait outside. I was like, bro, I'd have gone up in there and helped him get dressed. <laughs> Annie, what's your question? Oh, for real? Did I already answer it? No. Ask the question, Mama. Spit it out. I'll help you with it. Okay. Here it is, Jess. My question is about having um, a plan B. Because I think typically people always plan, you know, to be... Uh, 
is to cover yourself, you know, to be sure. So, um, so I think just if you can elaborate a little bit more about a plan B. That's, and don't take 30 minutes answering the question. I'm not going to. That's why I'm, let, me, let, me, let me get it together here. You know why she's asking this question? Because Gabe's sitting next to her. And, and, and she's like, Gabe, you got to have something to fall back on. But no. You know, when, when you know the will of God, there, there's no plan B. Now, sometimes the things not work out the way that, and this is what you're talking about, maybe. Because over the years, we've gone and we've done the will of God. For example, God sent us to Columbus, Ohio. And when God sent us to Columbus, he sent us there to help a church. Well, anytime God sends you somewhere, it's your expectation that what you do is going to be fruitful and it's going to prosper and it's going to, there's going to be blessing in it. Well, that isn't what happened. We went there and it was terrible. In fact, we went through the greatest personal, uh, trouble that we've ever gone through in our whole entire lives and we went there in the midst of great prosperity so we when we left ohio about three or four years later we left seeming seeming seemingly licking our wounds <clears throat> because now here's the thing so talking about plan b when we went there, we expected it would be successful. Isn't that what we expect? Now, success to us doesn't look the same as success to God. Success to Jonah was go and prophesy to Nineveh their demise and then sit on the beach and watch the show. That's not what happened. Nineveh repented and God said, now go tell them uh, they're okay. And then Jonah's like, well, wait a minute. That, that's going to make me look stupid. Lord said, I don't really care how you go tell them. That's what I need for you to do. You need to... See, he expected something other than what happened. You get it? So we expected success. But when we got there, financial trouble. We were persecuted. We were called everything but Christians. We were, we were our, our integrity was questioned. Our uh, everything. It was, it was terrible. We, we went through four years of hell on earth. So when you go through that, you have to rely on the word. What's going on? Now, listen, did I ask what was going on? Yeah, I asked what was going on. You know what the Lord said? Listen, real close. This is what he said. Nothing. He said, I told, you, I told you to come here. You know what I started telling Annie? Man, I can't wait to go back to Oklahoma. I said that one time. You know what the Lord shouted at me? He shouted this at me in the mouth. He said this. He said, you're never going back to Oklahoma. I said, what? 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 He said, I sent you here. You're never going back. Never, never, never. He says, if you think you can go back, you can never finish what I called you to do here. I'm like, yeah, but God. He said, but nothing. So I looked at Annie. I said, Annie, 
We're never going back to Oklahoma. She said, not even to visit? I said, well, maybe to visit, but we ain't ever going back to live. And from then on, and I'll, I'll tell you, and Annie didn't like it. I didn't like it either. But from then on, it's like, this is, this, is our, this is our home. This is where we will live out the rest of our days. We'll never go back to Oklahoma. God said we're never going back to Oklahoma. Now, now I know somebody's saying, well, you're in Oklahoma now. Yeah, but because God, what God was saying was, this is my plan. You've got to be about my plan and not trying to add to it what you want. Are you all here today? See, some of y'all, you, you go and you, you, God says, go over there. Well, Lord, I like it. Go over there. So you get up, and the whole way to where he sent you, you like this. <sighs> keep looking back at where you was. You end up where God wanted you, but you keep looking back to where you was. Well, you send enough trouble your way, you'll go back to where you were. But man, we went through hell. Rhonda, I didn't think we was going to be able to come back to Oklahoma. Lord told us not to come back to Oklahoma. He said we couldn't. Four years later, I'm in Chicago. Something happened with Debbie, and, and uh, she called Ted. And while she's talking to Ted, the Lord said, go back to Oklahoma. I was like, what? <laughs> what? I didn't even know what Ted and Debbie were talking about. Ted gets off the phone, and I said, Ted, I said, I don't know what Debbie said, but I'm going to tell you, so the Lord said, we're going back to Oklahoma. He said, good, because Debbie just told me, and he, he told me what Debbie said, and it, it was like, it was supernatural. Listen, we didn't even wait. Two weeks later, the house was packed. It, this was after Christmas. The house was packed, and we were, we were at the city limits of Columbus kicking the dust off of our feet. And we came to Oklahoma, and we've been here ever since. And the Lord bless us. Now, now here's the thing. You say, well, wait a minute. Oh, you told me not to take long. Now, here's the deal. Was it God's will for us to go to Ohio? Yes. Was it God's will for us to help that church? Yes. Was it God's will for us to be, uh, to be prosperous and to be blessed? Yes, that was his will. But you know and I know that God don't always get his will. God don't always get his way. He's not willing that any perish, but that all come to repentance. Is everyone going to repent? No. But it's his will that everyone repent, right? But not everyone's going to repent. See, so God doesn't always get everything he wants. But he makes clear what he wants. And he gives everyone an opportunity to go the way he wants them to go. So you know what the Lord did? And I didn't know this for a long time. I would just tell people, I was like, man, I'm not sure what happened, but maybe I missed it. But one time I said that, the Lord said, you didn't miss not one thing. He said, I used you. I said, Lord, you didn't use me. We was, you used me as a, a tin can getting kicked from kid to kid. He was like, so be it. He said, son, he said, I had to give those people an opportunity to do my will. And for them to do my will, you had to be obedient and go. I said, Lord, you sent me somewhere to help people that you, Lord, you had to know they weren't going to get with it. He said, yeah, I knew. He said, but I still had to give them a chance. I was like, Lord, you used me. He said, yeah, you asked me to use you. Come on now. But you know, you want to know how liberating that was? 
that we had done the will of God. Well, you know what? The Lord had helped us during that time. So we didn't have a plan B, but there was another way that God would lead us. But we had to be about what we knew that God said that day. Amen. See, that's why, now see, I got to your deal, didn't I? <laughs> Look, Andy's like, hmm. <laughs> that's why it says, obey his command this day. And you don't look to another day. You look to that day. And you obey him that day. And you do what he said that day. And if he never says anything different, then you hang on to what he said, no matter what it looks like. And that's what we did. Listen, it was hard. It was hard. We had four years of budget in the bank. When we, le when we left Columbus, we didn't have two thin dimes to rub together. I think we borrowed money from Ted and Debbie for the U-Haul. And we and this was after prosperity and supernatural increase. Are y'all hearing me? We were bankrupt. On top of that, we move away, and the house that we have in Columbus, it floods. Pipe breaks in the wintertime, floods the entire. The, our house was so full of water, it filled up the basement, and water was coming out of the windows of the first story of our house. They called me up. They said, what are you going to do? I was like, I was like, ¿Qué? ¿Qué? ¿Qué dices? ¿Quién habla? ¿Aló? They just started talking Spanish. I'd have been like, I'd have gone to something else. <laughs> That's not what I did. That's not what I did. <laughs> How many of you know that? That's bad. That's bad. That's bad. We had a mortgage on that house. I called my insurance. I said, man, my house flooded. I sure am glad I, had ins I have insurance. They said, you ain't got insurance for that. I said, I have to. They said, no, nah, it's extra. It's extra. Someone called me. They said, hey, I can help you with your house. I said, okay. I said, what do I need to do? He said, if you can wire transfer $80,000, we can get to work. 80 grand to start, to begin the process. Are y'all hearing, hearing this? Mm-hmm. Well, well, now see, some of y'all like, uh, nobody knows the troubles I've been. Really? Really? We were bankrupt. <laughs> Glory to God. But God's word is still true. And God is still faithful. And what he said, he will do it. Amen. I've never seen the righteous forsaken, nor a seed begging for bread. So did, 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 did he take us in a direction we didn't know he was going to? Yes, uh-huh. He told us one thing, and then he did something else, and we just had to obey him. So we don't make a plan B, but God doesn't always show us the end. He, he doesn't always show us where we're going to end up. 
we might, we might have this idea hatched in our head about what it's going to look like, but that may not be what God does. So we have to be willing to follow the Lord wherever he leads every day. Every day, every day. But know this, wherever he's leading you will lead to your success and not your failure. It'll lead to your life and not your death. It'll lead to your victory and not your defeat. Amen. He's got to lead you to victory. You know, there's some plugged up religious person going, well, I don't agree with that. Yeah, all right, loser. You know, someone's old Shree that is like, oh, you winner's church. I thought God helped losers. Yeah, we got a whole church full of ex-losers. We don't lose no more. We win. But well, what about when you don't? We win anyhow. Yeah. Well, not if you lose. No, we just keep playing until we win. That means we don't, get, we don't give up. We play till we win. See, that's what winners do. Winners play until they win. I am. I'm that annoying kid that will play until he wins. Titus. No, 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 no. I'll just play. I'll just play. <laughs> All right. That's it, I'm sure. And he's ready to go. Praise the Lord. Amen. Do you receive this today? Yes. Listen, hang on to the word of God. Believe his word. Trust in him. If, and listen, I'll agree with you. We all waver. I'll agree with you. You wavering? Text me. Call me. Send me an email. Hit me up after church. Pastor, I need for you to agree with me. I will agree with you. Amen. Amen. Easy for me to agree with somebody else. A whole different story if it's me. Uh, but God is faithful. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for your spirit. Thank you, God, for what you're telling us here in these meetings. We're so grateful, God, for the privilege that we have uh, to continue to move and live in you and have our being in you. Lord, let your people... Uh, let your hand rest upon each one of them. Let them go out of here with joy and be led forth with peace. Let them walk in the fullness of victory, Lord, in all things, God, that pertain to life and godliness. And God will forever give you the glory in Jesus' name. Everybody that believed it said amen. 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 Listen, before, uh, just before we go, uh, Tabitha, raise up your hand, wave at everybody. Look, Tabitha got that smiley face shirt on. You know, Tabitha, uh, some of y'all don't know this, that's Ted and Debbie's daughter. And uh, Tabitha was born after I met Ted and Debbie. Ted swore she was going to be a boy and he was going to name her Jonathan. Uh, well, she didn't come out with the right equipment. So anyway, she's Tabitha. <laughs> and her husband, Derek. Derek, wave your hand. He's back here. So Derek and Tabitha, they started out with us years ago. Well, they didn't start at Winters, but they were at Winters Church years ago. And the Lord's brought them back around to labor with us in this season. So uh, when you have an opportunity, welcome Tabitha and, and Derek, or I'll say Derek and Tabitha. That's really the way you ought to, uh, you know, it's always, uh, it's appropriate to, uh, anyway. Uh, I know not in this generation, but we're, we're going, anyway. So Derek and Tabitha, we're so glad that you guys are here with us and, and your children, and uh, we love them and we appreciate them, but let them know uh, that you love them and we're, 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 certain, we're certainly glad that they are back here at Winter's Church and hanging out with us and laboring together with us to fulfill God's purpose. Amen. And, uh, 